Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I feel like you're literally about to hear the real life plot of a Jane Austen novel come to life, only better. Guys, there are literal Mr. Knightleys and Miss Elizabeth, so think Lizzie Bennet in Christy's story from England today. I know. I have never lived a story like this one, and it felt like an incredible privilege to know, even while I was experiencing it, that I would get to come home and be able to share it with listeners who know us so well. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. One of my favorite things is the ability to step inside of a book or movie, which, as we know, is you can't do that. Maybe if you went to Universal Studios, you could, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, here's an example. There was a movie that I watched, I don't know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it came out. It had Mandy Moore in it. It's called Chasing Liberty. The prem- It's totally cheeseball. I love it. The premise is the American president's daughter can't ever date anyone because she has all the security guards around her and they all have uh, you know preconceived notions about her. And then she, so she's frustrated with her dad who keeps her always with all this protection. And when they're in Prague on a government visit, she ditches her security detail for like a night on the town in Prague. And of course, course, there's a handsome guy she falls in love with, and they traipse all over Europe together. Anyway, there's this quite famous scene in Prague where she's at this really cool looking bar slash restaurant slash nightclub vibe. You know, it's like cool purple couches and chandeliers, and it's very eclectically, you feel like it's a movie scene. Turns out it is a real place in Prague where they filmed it on location. Peter and I were in Prague before we had kids. We were doing a last trip together. We knew we were probably going to be starting a family. And I told him, I have to go to the Chasing Liberty bar in Prague. And we tracked it down and we went in and it literally was like walking into a story. And I know the locals looked at us and were like, oh, more tourists who want to see where they filmed this movie. <laughs> but it was like this moment that was so fun. I'll never regret we did it. We ordered, we sat on the couch, they sit in in the movie scene. The whole place did not disappoint. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes there are places like that that feel imbued with some kind of magic. And then when you get to be in them, it's such a delight and it's almost like a satisfaction that it gives you. I will admit that afterwards we went and found an American bar because Peter wanted onion rings because we'd lived overseas at that point for like two years and he hadn't had any in ages. And he was very excited to be at an American sports bar (laughs) eating onion rings. So he got his bar. I got mine. (laughs) The reason I share all of this is that we have a mutual friend online. Her name is Kyle and she has an Instagram account called Sudden Journeys. And when you look at those pictures, you just wish you could step through and be in those places. She lives in England and she photographs and shares about the English countryside and really places that are like out of Jane Austen novels brought to life in a way that I have always felt like, can it be that good? Like, can it live up to the hype? And with that, dun, 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 we hand over to Christy because Kyle was behind Christy's recent trip that we shared last week 
to England. She was. Oh, Kyle, I love you. And I'm so grateful to you. Yeah, I'm, I think in the course of this conversation, going to tell you more about her and these these tri- trip is not the word. Yeah. I need a better word. Journey, these, these journeys. Yeah, I think journey is the right word. Um, maybe even pilgrimage. These journeys that she curates. She is an artist. She's an artist anyway. She's a photographer. She's an artist. Um, but she is an artist when it comes to curating journeys for people. Anyway, so I'm going to have more to say about that. But I will, yeah, always be grateful. Um, that I got to, ex- I got to, st- so you mentioned step into a movie. I got to step into a work of art created by Kyle Campbell of Sudden Journeys. And one thing I think I told you, do you remember this? Did I tell you when you picked me up at the airport? So we mentioned this in our conversation last week that when Jonathan and I landed um, after coming back from England, uh, you picked us up. And I think I said, um, Lisa Joe, we have seen Kyle's home mm. and her world on Instagram for years. And unlike, I feel like most <laughs> things that are shared on Instagram, even I'll be honest, things that I share, I, I am the queen of knowing how to crop and frame so that the loveliness is emphasized and the distracting ugliness is outside of the frame. There's nothing wrong with that. That is what artists do. But I said, stepping into Kyle's world in England and her home and, and the places she loves and has shared for years on Instagram, it was more beautiful in person. It was better. It was because it was immersive and it was, it extended. It wasn't just the little square frame. It was everything outside of the frame too. Oh, I love that. And I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe that because I didn't expect that. I thought, well, you don't, yeah. I mean, there's the, there's jokey memes, right? Have you seen them on Instagram about um, reality versus yes, like social media versus reality? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just a given, but this was not that. It's like the um, opposite. The it's almost as if it like was. the social media picture is less than the reality, yes. the beauty. <laughs> I, I actually had a moment when I was walking there thinking, I she's done a great job of capturing and sharing the beauty, but oh my goodness, no, she has not even shared the half of it. <laughs> it was so <laughs> great. So satisfying to hear because yeah. I think... Continuing what we started last week, and if you haven't listened, you really need to go back because we began a conversation about what does like our souls who got left behind while our bodies (laughs) were trying to rush through and survive the last three years. We're desperately trying to bring our bodies and our souls back into harmony, much like Peter Pan trying to reattach to his shadow. We are trying desperately to be whole again. I think all of us coming out of the last three years have become broken in places, disconnected, and we're trying to make connections. And so we are having these conversations about what does that mean and what is my soul and what kind of rest do I need? And so go back and listen to that first episode because we did say we wanted to talk about how, of course, rest happens at home. Of course, we catch up with our souls right where we are in the kitchen between carpool. But sometimes we have these moments that God invites us outside of our ordinary rhythms. And and then, and I, and I think what's interesting is it doesn't have to be in another country, but he mm-hmm. creates moments where it's where he has to 
invite us to notice something with him. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. And so he, that happens best when you are being intentional. So when you're traveling overseas, you're more intentional. Or in my case, because I think this is going to be my parallel to what you share today, you're writing a story about very deep things that you haven't paid attention to in quite that way before, where God is able to show you something that is so unique, so significant, so only possible through his ability, his infinite patience to connect dots. I think that's it. As humans, we're in this rush to connect, to get, to accomplish. And I think God has an infinite well of patience waiting for us to finally arrive at his vision of our story. And I think that's the setup for what Christy stepped into in England because of Kyle and this trip. Right. And it was so unexpected, Lisa Joe. And I, I want to hold on to those words you mentioned just a minute ago about disconnection and connection. Cause I think the stresses and the, and the hard things and the losses and the hard work, um, cause it hasn't all been lost these past three years, but, um, just all of it, <laughs> the, the too muchness of it, the mm. overwhelm of it. I think all that pressure has, has me has scattered me in certain mm. ways. And so yeah. I, I too have felt that disconnection of body and soul, the sense that the pieces have been scattered, the pieces of experience and, 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 and this need that I didn't even understand to be gathered up again and made whole again. And, and I think maybe that's what restoration is, which is, is includes the word rest, you know, so that we're talking about all these things when we talk about rest. So I didn't even understand that that, I think is why I was feeling like my language, you said last week, your language was, you know, I feel like I'm dying. And my language, the thing I've been saying over and over, I feel like for a couple of years now is I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And then I would stop and think, wait, am I? I, I mean, I got to right, sleep last night. Right. Am I tired? Yes. And it didn't feel quite right. But that's what kept coming out of my mouth. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Um, and so, so back, I, I don't even remember exactly when. It was months and months ago. Um, maybe, maybe it was the fall. It was probably the fall. Um, I was actually just doing some on. I, I, I've I've known Kyle through just online and of her 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 business and journeys, and um, I'd known her of that for a while, um, but had never really thought. Oh, I I want to go on one of her journeys. I want to meet her. That had ne- that thought had never quite crystallized because I think I just would have thought I, it just. Too, too good. I wasn't even considering it. But I had gone online to do a little research um, for some travel for my son, my older son, who is, uh, you know, graduating from high school soon. And one thing that happened for him during COVID is that he had a very big, very special trip planned, his first, you know, outside the U.S. journey. And of course, it, you know, it was canceled because of the pandemic. And um, bless him, you know, he's never let me forget it. <laughs> and I've always reassured him, Thaddeus, your time will come. You will be able to travel. I know what that means. It will happen. And so I had just gone online trying to begin to maybe make some steps to figure out what that could look like with him. And I thought of Kyle and I thought, huh, I wonder if she has anything that would be appropriate to do with my son or anyway. So that just got me into looking at her or at her current schedule of journeys. And I saw one and it was not appropriate for my son, but I saw it and I thought just, it was like everything in me just rose up. And I thought, 
oh, I want that experience. So it was her, it was her English countryside in late April, English uh, Northamptonshire, old castles and gardens. And, and it just sounded, it, you know what? We mentioned Psalm 23 last week. It sounded like Psalm oh, 23 wow. to me. Yeah. It just sounded like green pastures. And literally we walked through green pastures full of sheep. Um, so it just, I think that that's what it felt like, like that invitation of Psalm 23. And, um, and of course, I immediately thought, crazy, can't do this. Like, but no, I mean, Jonathan and I have been married now for 26 years, and we haven't really traveled together in about 20 years because <laughs> we had children 20 years ago. Yeah, so. <laughs> right. So I immediately just thought, no, but man, that desire was strong. And so later that day, I went for a walk with Jonathan, which is sometimes um, because we both work from home, occasionally we're able to do that. And it's a good time of like, you know, getting in our exercise, but also like having conversations that can be weirdly so hard to have when you live with someone. (laughs) You're always rushing. Yes, You know, we're back to the rushing. So sometimes when we walk, we move our bodies in the same direction and we have a conversation. And so I told him, oh, I saw this. I, I saw this trip and it said at the time, I think only two spots left. And I just told him, oh, it looked amazing. And I know we can't do it, but I'm just telling you because I'm feeling it, you know. And he said, just totally surprised me. He said, well, why can't we do it? Maybe maybe we could. And it was just that little permission that he gave me to actually not just discard the idea, but to to give it a little more thought. And I said, well, I don't even know. Maybe those spots have been taken. And he said, well, okay, why don't you just reach out to Kyle, see if the spots are still there, and then we'll and then we'll figure it out. And so I did. And it's like taking the little baby steps. Every little baby step just felt like, oh, yes, 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 I want this. So we we ended up signing up. And um, and I'll tell you, this was the attitude of our signing up. Exhaustion. We're so tired. We're so tired, overwhelmed. We've been pushing so hard, you know, with teenagers and books and John's work and family. Um, you know, we've shared on the podcast, we've, you know, had his parents move in with us. We've been trying to help build a home for them. There has been so much COVID on top of it, et cetera, et cetera. Many more even than that, much more than that. Um, and I, and we were, so we're both just feeling this like deep, exhaustion, and also still had many deadlines and hurdles ahead of us. So when we signed up for this trip, I think for both of us, it was a way of saying, okay, we know that we ha- we, we feel this strong urge to, to break away from this, to step aside, to step into something different and restful. And we, we don't even have the time or energy to make it happen on our own. We cannot do the research. We cannot figure it out. We don't, we, we are too tired to do that. And we don't have the time or the energy to do that. And so because Kyle is someone I've followed online for a long time, I, I knew that she was trustworthy. I knew that we had things in common and I knew that her choices would be choices that um, would be not only good, but would be ones that I would be wise to enter into. Um, even if on the surface, I thought, well, I wouldn't have chosen that. I, I knew like, nope, follow, Kyle is someone I can follow and it, it will be good. So in signing up for the trip, we did no further research. <laughs> we, I didn't even
and look on a map to find out exactly <laughs> where we would be. This is very unlike you because you're like, Peter, very. you love to plan and research yes. and check out. A d- you have that yes. wing five on the Enneagram where you love information and data. And, yeah, totally. that's so it is, You're right. And I, and I knew that at the time. Like, this is not me. This is not how I've traveled in the past. Um, in the past, when John and I took trips before we had kids, I would do all that research. I love to read books ahead of time about where I'll be so that, you know, you're bringing that to the experience. Um, I love, yeah, I love figuring things out. Do we do this? Do we do that? Um, I love all of that. But I knew that I could not, could not do it. And so we really were just, we just signed up. Um, we barely, she was so great in her planning. She would send on this really wonderful, thoughtful schedule information, kind of dole it out as we needed these beautiful emails that kind of guided us through the preparation. And, um, but literally we were so tired and with so little energy even to give to that, that we just kind of did the minimum of reading the emails, doing what we had to do and just sort of hoping it would all work out. It was down to the wire before we left, before I had even figured out, because we had a couple days on either side of her plan tour, where we would be, where we would stay. And it and it was literally like just ticking off the items. I just said, Kyle, I think we'll be in Cambridge. <laughs> Tell me what, what hotels in Cambridge. And she gave me three that, you know, she recommended and we just called the first one. I mean, that is literally how we made every decision related to this trip. It felt like... I just kept praying, Lord, just get us there. Just get us there. Like, that's all, <laughs> all we can do. Um, and so that's that's the background. That's sort of how we went into this journey, which turned out to be a real journey. I, I just wanted to step away. I just wanted to, re- to remember again, like, if my husband and I are on our own, do we still like each other? Do we still have fun together? I mean, it's something that even though we have date nights and we go for walks and dinner, you know, years into a marriage when you're so busy with teenagers and life, um, you don't know for sure. Like, are we still those people who got married who could talk all day and all night? And, um, and uh, yeah, so. Well, I have um, to pause here before you then yeah, yeah. move into England and say, and I'll tell you listeners, Chris, Chrissy's going to hear this for the first time now, but it was interesting Almost, I think, the week even before you guys left, our family came up to spend the Saturday before Easter at your house. Right. How close was that to the trip? Like a week and a half, two weeks? Very like it close. Was very yeah. close. And uh, she, they, you guys weren't hosting the Easter egg hunt this year because there's a lot of construction happening on the property. And, and also because too tired. Yes. So <laughs> my point, that is my point exactly. So... We were excited to be with you guys. Our families haven't been together in a little while. Um, and I remember Pete and I being full of anticipation to come. We were really looking forward to it. But when we left, my main takeaway to Peter was, wow, we, none of us were really ourselves. Like I could tell the level of exhaustion that you and John were experiencing. Like when we arrived, the, the trip did not it didn't have the same feeling of, and I think what I'm trying to describe here is often when we come to your house, it's a sense that it's a place to come and receive rest. But I could tell that the owners of themselves, the house themselves were depleted. Like they had no rest to mm. offer. <laughs> like they mm. were like <laughs> so tired. And I, cause it was such a low energy. We were all just at a place and, and Pete and I felt the same. Like I felt like 
two couples who are completely empty and our children, I think, were empty too. Yeah, I, the yeah. whole level of energy of the trip was very low. It was, it felt like often when I'm there, I feel re-energized and instead it felt like a mutual sense of like, the um what are those things called the in the Harry Potter books the dementors have sucked our souls out I, I literally <laughs> felt like it's funny I keep using the soul imagery but it felt like we were all just sitting there like I don't know we're having conversation it's nice to be in your presence and yet none of us really had anything to bring to the table is how mm-hmm, it felt to me mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you had that experience and mm-hmm, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't like I left and I was like that was a bad trip it was just different I, and I said to Pete wow I think Christy and John are done <laughs> and we are done it was a sense in which I think that's a testimony to old friendship yeah you can all show up empty nobody really has anything to bring to the table and it's okay. Like sometimes there's company and just being empty together. Mm-hmm. But when we got, so that's why I wondered when we started recording these episodes, I, I thought to myself, how is, is Christy like, gonna, how is she? Is what, my, what was my main thought. And when we got on and immediately, like you were talking to me and asking about my manuscript and wanting to see it. And I was, oh, she's, I had this thought, she's back is it literally Aww. what came into my mind. Like, <laughs> Christy's back. Oh, Aww. I'm so happy. And I think it's uh, that reunification of like who your body is and who your soul, because your soul is your core identity of all your loves and dreams and passions and callings. And I think that part is the part that maybe had just got sucked dry by the last three years. So I'm excited for you to tell the story because I can testify to the fact of a before and after is how it feels to me as your as your close friend. And I I had this selfish moment of like, oh, she's still here. Okay, I need to go back up to Maplehurst and we need to redo because I think we were both so empty. But how beautiful to see you like filled. I'm just so like overjoyed about that. Yeah, I think that is so true. I mean, I'm realizing too that that would have been... I think my book came, like, we met yes, on the Saturday, like and I think after. my book released, I think it released on the Tuesday. It was crazy. And you had taught at your church, you had been preaching, had. and you had all the construction happening. I mean, it yes. was like... <laughs> The perfect, I had literally like just finished, I was like, I thought I was dying. I was in the I'm dying stages of the book. And we had all had all the Easter events that were going on. And yeah, we were both just at a place of complete and utter, like just emptiness. There was just nothing left to give other than our bodies, which goes to show is not always enough. Like you need Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. breath of Christ in you, breathing through you. And I'm so grateful he breathed such a deep breath back into you. Oh, it's so true. I think that that describes it so well. And I'm glad you reminded me of of viscerally <laughs> where I was before we left. Yeah. And because uh, I think you're absolutely right. And it, it testifies to, to how in some sense, like how hard it was even for us to get ourselves to the airport. Yeah. Um, Yes. Tell that. That was so ridiculous. Yeah. And I, and I'm not normally someone who, who wants to put this slant on a story, but once we were there and I realized how good it was, I realized again, I don't want to over-spiritualize, but I realized just how much resistance we had faced before getting there and how there was a point where I almost gave up and said, okay, we're not going. And 
And then when I was there, realized, oh my goodness, I would have missed this. Mm. Wow. And so the the gravity of it hit me again. So what listening to you tell that story. The what happened the day before we left? The day before, like Yes, yes, yes. So our flight's on a Saturday. It was Friday. Yes. We we get an email that, so we had intended to fly out of Baltimore, right. which is why, you I know, was gonna, and I you had- You were going to park your car at our house. I was going to park I your house. I was going to drive you to the airport. And I was driving yeah. in my car on Friday afternoon to go pick up kids when you left me this message. And I remember panic, I experienced panic, like- <laughs> they have to go. Like they have oh. got to have this experience. What is happening? And I will validate your sense of a, a spiritual component because I felt that. And I just started praying as I was driving. Lord, you have oh. to help them. Like you have oh. to help them get away. <laughs> they have oh, to go. Oh, well, Lisa Joe, that means so much because yeah, we got this email that said your flight out of Baltimore has been canceled. And I had chosen Baltimore. It's not the nearest airport to us, um, but it's not too far. And it's so close to you that I knew that we could park and you could help us with, you know, getting to and fro. And um, and so we got an email, Baltimore flight to London has been canceled. So bizarre. We have rescheduled you out of um, Dulles, D.C. airport. Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize Dulles was in the mix initially. Oh, that's so far away too. So far from us. Yes. So there was no way. And it, it would mean we'd have to drive there and then we'd have to pay for yeah. parking to leave our right. car there for, right. you know, 10 days. So that was not, that, that just couldn't work. And um, and so I got on the phone with British Airways. Oh. Well, I don't, I don't even know if I want to, to I don't want to give the play-by-play. I just want to say that I don't even to this day, Jonathan and I talked about it and we talked about it, we analyzed, we still don't understand what happened. It's but bizarre. it is of my lifetime, the most difficult, mystifying, terrible customer service <laughs> experience we have ever had. Oh, wow. And where it ended is that the woman I was talking to moved me to a Philadelphia flight and then insisted that it was not possible to move Jonathan. What? That there were not enough seats that something about his ticket meant she, it, her hands were absolutely oh tied. And, and get this, that the only way he could get on that flight with me is if he canceled his ticket and bought a new Are ticket. Are you kidding me? The night before our flight. What? I've never and heard of such a thing. No, it, it, it makes no sense. Again, all the analysis we did, all the going back over the conversation, we could not figure out how we had landed here. And so we finally just hung up with her and no, no, I'm sorry. She transferred Jonathan because he said, well, I I guess, you know, you just need to tell me how much that would cost, even though we knew we couldn't do it. We knew we couldn't do it. So, so he's on, he's listening to the little elevator music. He's (laughs) waiting to be transferred. And I'm just, oh, oh. And also he had taken over the phone from me because Lisa Joe, I have never had this experience. I am so optimistic in these situations. I always think there's a way, there's a way you just stay patient. You stay calm, you stay kind and it will work out. Oh, Christine. No, Lisa Joe, she got me to a place where I was crying. Oh my goodness. I was crying. I believe it. Telling her that empty and it's the night before you're trying to like fill back up and now you're just I was like, crying oh. and I was thinking, this is it. We're not going. We're <laughs> oh just going to cancel. We're not going. And, and, um, and I was, I was texting Kyle and telling her what was happening and saying, please pray. I don't know that this wow. is going to work out. So while he's finally on, you know, the elevator music, I just said, Jonathan, 
something has gone badly wrong and I think you need to hang up and I think we just need to call back and we mm. need to get somebody else. Yeah. And it and it felt like in my despair, like if it didn't feel like me thinking that because I was in such a bad place, mm. I had really given up. But I just, I did, it, I, I will credit God with just speaking a little voice of new mm. life to me, saying, "Hang up, start over." Mm. And we had, we were already hours into this. We, oh this, we were at least two hours into this. Wow! So he did. He he hung up. We started over. He called a different number. Um, we got someone else. Lisa Joe, it was night and day. This man was so cheerful. We could hear him. That was the other thing. We'd had this terrible, there was all this background noise with the other one. Anyway, we could hear him. He understood immediately what we needed. He's like, ah, oh, no problem. Let me get you on that flight. He got he got John on the flight. And then and then he he was apologetic about how he, you know, Jonathan no longer didn't have such a great seat and he was so sorry about that. <laughs> Jonathan was like, Are I'm you so kidding happy me? to be like, on this plane? I'm on the plane. <laughs> and um and it and it took hardly any time at all. I mean, fifteen, you know, maybe fifteen minutes. It was all wow. taken care of. We had our tickets. We were both on the Philadelphia flight. You know, we still had the little hiccup of knowing that we were flying out of Philadelphia and into Baltimore, so which weird. meant we had to call you and you know, we had to ask for <laughs> more help to get to the airport. <laughs> yeah. um, but all of that happened within 24 hours of leaving. And, um, and I've never experienced anything like that. But that is, yeah, that is the level of resistance we felt to even being able to, to leave on this trip. So we, we made it. We got there. And um, even in those first few days of jet lag and, you know, a different kind of tiredness, we remembered how good it was to travel together, how good it was to be alone. We saw, you know, beauty started to fill us. Um, and it was really like that day by day. There's so much I could share. Um, there, I think I probably will share more on the podcast. But really, we're here today because I want to tell you about one particular aspect of the trip. Um, it came a few days in and... I'll first set the scene. <laughs> we were having afternoon tea oh, in on. this Elizabethan Tudor Manor house oh, where gracious. Queen Elizabeth the first had actually stayed many times. It was glorious, filled with light through these stained glass windows. Um, it was a course of a family estate that at this point had become a fancy hotel and they offered afternoon tea. And part of the that experience is that before we left, um, Jonathan reconnected with a, a colleague of many years um, he's worked with closely, but had never met in person, and he knew he lived in England. So this is the level of planning we did, Lisa Joe. that <laughs> literally right before leaving, he thinks to reach out to this colleague, tell him, hey, we're going to be in your country. <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm American. Sure we we're just yeah, going to be in I'm your sure country. We be near you. <laughs> <laughs> And so he, t you know, so th the friend asks, well, where will you be? Jonathan has to pull up the emails. Where will we be? And so he tells him, we'll be in Northamptonshire, where basically American tourists don't really go. Right. And it turns out that this colleague um, lived not too far from there. And so Jonathan did something that at the time annoyed me, but it ended up being a an important part of the story. He... um he he decided that he needed to see this of colleague. Of course he did. Why are you surprised by this? <laughs> the second he said he has a colleague in England, you know you're going to be having tea yes. with that guy. 
So he he told him the day we'd be having tea at this fancy Elizabethan Manor hotel and um, arranged with his colleague that the colleague would meet him there so they could have tea together. And I immediately was filled with like worry, like, Jonathan, that's in the middle of our tour and other people are involved. And I, uh, I, I just I didn't know about him sort of stepping away to have tea with this colleague. It turns out he was right. I was wrong because it was a beautiful time of reconnection for those two men. Um, it worked out perfectly. Kyle helped. So they had their own little table together mm. and the rest of our group had um, tables together. And so that is why I took tea that afternoon right next to Kyle. It's because, you know, she was a solo traveler on our journey, and now I was because Jonathan was having tea with his colleague. And so I sat by Kyle, we enjoyed our tea, and somewhere in the conversation, she said, oh, Christy, when I was researching this house, this manor, I came across your name, Purifoy, but it was spelled differently. And I said, oh, I bet I know how it was spelled. And I told her, and she said, yes, you know, instead of an I, it has an E. And I said, oh, I know that because um, a year ago, we started doing some family research into Jonathan's name, and uh, we put together um, a family tree, and we know that when the family was in England, it was spelled this way, and that our ancestor changed it to I when he came to Virginia in the 1600s. So I said, you know, that that makes sense and that there could be a family connection there. And I'm thinking, so distant. So, I mean, because this is a fancy place. And in my mind, there is no way <laughs> that my family <laughs> has any connection with this beauty and history and, you know, ancient. So she just tells me, yeah, well, you know, look into it. Her name was Elizabeth Purifoy. She was the first lady of this manor. Um, Richard Knightley was had bought this I'm, estate. Pause there. Say that slower. Yes. I love Richard Knightley. Knightley. Oh my word. Come on now. Jane I am Austen. not making that up. It's so wild. <laughs> I love it so I much. I am not making that up. I mean, and that it gets even better. So Richard Knightley had bought this estate in 1416. When, and when he married Elizabeth Purifoy, she was only 16 at the time. Wait, She'd been born Elizabeth in... Elizabeth too? Like, that's yes! so great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Lizzie and Knightley? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. No. Okay. So, I um, I thought, well, that is so fascinating. I actually got up from the tea. I went over to Jonathan and his friend, and I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know that there's some kind of Purifoy connection with this beautiful place." And he got a kick out of that, and um, you know, shared it with his friend. Anyway, that that day on our journey tour, and this is something Kyle does so well, she not only curates the experiences, but also the pace. So for these small groups, and they're very small, I think there were maybe a dozen people in our little tour group, um, she, she does a good job of sort of giving group experiences, times where you go out and see things, and then times on your own, and so uh, meals together, meals alone. And so that evening after tea was um, a time where Jonathan and I were just going to go off and get dinner on our own, which we did. And so because we were alone for dinner that night, we um, had time to talk about the experiences of the day. And we had time for Jonathan to pull up his phone and say, well, let me look at that family tree we made and just see, you know, let me, it just reminded us that the Purifoys had an English connection. And so he pulls up this family tree. I'll say as well, before I tell you what we found, that the 
the whole reason why we had started doing that research is that um, it had been just a few weeks since his dad, Thomas Purifoy, had passed away in our home. Um, my in-laws moved in here with us with such high hopes of us sharing life together. And then very quickly, my father-in-law um, became sick and um, passed away. And, you know, we're so grateful that we have my mother-in-law with us, but that was so unexpected. And in in the aftermath of that, we we did these DNA tests and we started doing the family tree. It was just a way, I think, of processing that and of connecting with the Purifoy family, even though Tom was no longer with us to talk about it or, you know, answer our questions. So we had done that a year before. And then we got tired. Life got busy. We stopped doing the research. It just stayed on our little phone app and we hadn't looked at it again. So John pulls it up at dinner that night and he just goes back as far as we went. And he says, okay, we went all the way back to Nicholas Purifoy. And the, the family tree that we connected into said, born in Northamptonshire. And John and I said, oh, that's so strange. We're in Northamptonshire. And he said, well, let me see this town. It says, born in, it says, born in Barnwell, Northamptonshire in 1520. And, he's, and I said, well, Put it on the Google. We have no idea where we are, right? I said, put Google Maps, pull it up, see where this Barnwell is. He pulls it up. He says, Well, this says we could walk there in like 20 minutes. Oh my goodness. I like <laughs> that's how close we were. I love the story so much. So we realized, oh my goodness, we're there. This this name that is on this family tree for this ancestor, Nicholas Purifoy, it's miles from where we are at that moment sitting. So I texted Kyle and said, this is crazy. And I kind of tell, told her what we found. I said, do you know this town, this village Barnwell? She says, Christy, <laughs> we're going to Barnwell in two days. It's on our itinerary. It's probably my favorite village in the what? area. It's the most beautiful place. It means so much to me. And she was as shocked as we were. And um, and then she says, well, Christy, um, I'm actually sitting in the parking lot of your restaurant because I needed to pick someone up. She said, would you like me to just run you and Jonathan <laughs> over, you know, right now? <gasps> and I I said, yes. <laughs> well, Lisa Joe, we'd finished dinner. The sun was setting. It was almost night. It was almost fully dark, but it's a maybe you know, a th- five-minute drive from where we were. We pull into this village at, I mean, deep dusk. You know, it's getting darker and darker. And she pulls over on the road and she says, okay, that's the church up there. And But there's a little bridge across the stream here. So I'm going to drop you here. You walk, you know, explore. I'm going to drive around the village and I'll just meet you on the other side of the church. So we get out of our car we um, cross this little bridge. We walk along this fence. There are these little ponies in the field. <laughs> and uh, we walk up to this unbelievably gorgeous um, church, old stone with a spire. We'll find out later that, um, you know, it dates to the 13th century. I mean, it was there long before this Nicholas Purifoy in this beautiful storybook village. And um, at dusk, we walk around the church and the graveyard and just soak up an atmosphere that is so (laughs) other than our normal lives, so other than anything we've experienced 
and and just keep telling ourselves over and over, like, Purifoys, we're here. Purifoys, our Purifoys, we're here. And now we're here. And how did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> you know? It just felt like such a such an accident. So that night was gorgeous, and it prompted John and I to, you know, keep kind of looking at our family tree. Um, you know, the the nice thing about an app like that is other people have done research, so you're kind of just tapping into their research. And so very quickly, we could go back a few more generations and discover that Elizabeth Purifoy of Fosley Hall, who I'd heard about that day at tea, was the sister of Jonathan's 17 times great-grandfather. Wow. Wow. So even further back than Nicholas, um, basically his great-aunt back many generations, <laughs> had married Richard Knightley. And we saw that the Knightleys and the Purifoys had intermarried several times. There were lots. Wow. So, so we we were also related to the Knightleys, you know, both both families. Um, maybe next week I will tell you about our return later in the week to Barnwell. Mm. Um, we went back in a really special way on the last day of our tour in the countryside. Um, but I guess I just want to wrap up this story, this this longer episode by saying, I thought we were escaping. I thought we were just not running away, but well, sort of running away in order to rest. Um, but what I found there, what we experienced there was a bringing together. Um, I could be teary about it, a bringing together of so much that had been hard, <laughs> so much that had been like, you know, scattered these past few years, you know, primarily um, all the transitions with his family and losing his father. And we never intended to go on some sort of family ancestor journey. We hadn't done the research. We hadn't done the planning. If we had, I don't think we would have succeeded. I don't know. <laughs> um, but somehow in not planning, not understanding, just um, escaping and running away and seeking rest um, because there was this open door we landed in a place where we were rooted, where we had connection, where our family story, all the little loose threads of it could start to be woven together. Um, and I just think I'll never get over the surprise of that and the goodness of that. Um, to run so far from home and find yourself more at home <laughs> is so wild to me. Um, and as someone who thinks a lot about what it means to live a rooted life, just the grace and the mercy of leaving home and leaving the place where I am so rooted. And especially after, you know, this long pandemic season of not traveling and personally for me, feeling a lot of anxiety about leaving home um, to to have this overwhelming evidence that we had been guided to a place that in some sense could also be home, could also be a rooted place for us. Um, it just, it, it's a story that is too, <laughs> you wouldn't be believed, you know, if you made it into a film. But that's what, that's what we experienced in the beautiful little village of Barnwell in Northamptonshire. Well, I feel emotional too. It made me think of this line um, in a book I read this week. I just finished Beth Moore's memoir called All My Knotted Up Life. And then I underlined these sentences at the end. And then as you were telling the story, I opened the book because I feel like this is such a perfect way to describe our God. And she writes here, and I think about the two of you overseas thinking you stumbled upon something, right? 
She writes, What God is this who can keep a secret so long? What what God is this so unhurried to prove himself? Hmm. Somewhere inside the balled-up, walled-up mass of tangled strands in the life of faith, the inscrutable God of heaven and earth has the loose ends tied. <laughs> Isn't that so beautiful? <laughs> and I think I feel that way because we live that, and every now and again, it's as if God shows it to us, like He shines a spotlight, because most of the time, we don't know, like we pass by it. And I think we're in such a rush, our body's always rushing forward. But God, she says, He is so confident of His own spotless character that He is unpressured by all the second-guessing of His own children. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing, this God so unhurried to prove himself. And yet, he gives us these amazing moments where he says, look, look what I could see all along. Look what I've known about you to be true. Your roots, your people, you're coming home when you think you were running away and finding rest when you were struggling and felt like it was only work to get there. Like everything about the character of God is that unhurried and I think it's why our souls climb up into his lap, you know, it's the sense in which we climb up into his lap and let his spirit, like a mom who sings a lullaby or just you catch the breath of your mother, your parents, you're that close. There's a sense in which we have these moments where God breathes back into us. And I just love you, my friend. I'm so glad <laughs> that God took you and John to this beautiful moment and just breathe life and story and history. You know, we forget that we're connected. We have generations of roots connecting us. And how wonderful that he spoke the exact love language of you and Jonathan in that moment of connection and life. And I'm just so grateful that we could record that story here because it needs to live somewhere. I agree. So thank you, listeners, for being the place where we get to. We have this privilege, Lisa, Joe, and I, of of sharing these stories. Um, It's not the podcast, it's you. (laughs) The podcast is nothing. It's you because you're here listening. And and how eager I was, even when I was in England, to come back and share this story with you. So thank you, listeners. Thank you, Lisa, Joe. Mm -hmm. 